welcome to Footnotes. Today we're talking to Nell Fuller, who's the founder of Femex here in Columbia. And Femex is a um, co-working space um, and so many more things, but it's more geared toward women entrepreneurs. And in this conversation, we talk about Femex and what it does, but we really got into um, some topics that really we don't like to talk about very much. Like maybe the fact that a lot of people that are jumping out into the world of business don't really know what they're doing, but they know what they wanna do. And so we're gonna talk about what the difference is there. And I'm really glad that we were able to get this conversation recorded. Stay tuned. We're here with Nell Fuller, who is the co-founder here at Femex, and we're here in Columbia, and we're actually sitting in the Femex space. Um, thanks for doing the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you guys in the space and get to talk a little bit about more, more about my vision and dreams for Femex. Well, so let's let's just start there. I mean, you know, what is what is Femex, and and what's it here to do? Yeah. So, um, interestingly enough, I've done all of the things um, through school. I took the eight-year track through college and did fashion design and studio art and um, started out pre-law and then finished with some international studies and pottery classes and then um, ended up with a master's in public administration and statistics. So um, after doing all of the things, you know, I found myself at a point in my life where um, you know, I, I wanted to A, do more for my community and B, also be able to incorporate all of the things that have brought me joy throughout my life. So um, Femex was born out of a, a need to see a space in Colombia that was progressive and beautiful and could build community for women, particularly in the space of entrepreneurship and business development. But you know, with with a spin to make it um, beautiful and creative and community focused, because I I feel like so often um, any kind of business development or entrepreneurial stuff, you know, is in dingy old spaces, um, particularly here in um, in Colombia. And so, you know, I didn't want to go to a stuffy office building with white walls and an ugly carpet and stale coffee. I wanted to create a space where an inclusive group of progressive women could come together and really build the change that they wanted to see here. So what is it? You know, I'm glad you, you mentioned sort of the, the space because, I mean, Femex is a physical place. You know, we're here at Richland and Bull here in downtown Columbia. Um, why does place matter? You know, certainly the time and the attention and definitely money was put into making what we see here, which is, I'm not your target audience, but it's really cool. Thanks. Know? Why is that so important? Yeah, so when um, I, when we're developing the concept, um, you know, we wanted to have A, see more capital access for women, and then also B, create a community that could support one another. And so it was like, which one do we start first? Do we try to raise funds for women entrepreneurs and, and offer educational support and whatnot? Or do we create a space and try to build the community out of it? And um, I went with the space. And I think that it was a really a really smart move now after having been open for a year, regardless of the fact that it was during COVID and a really difficult time to have a physical space. But um, it's really, you know, having the physical space allows this community to come together face to face and support one another. And um, 
And also it's really, it's more tangible. So the so Femex is a social club and co-work space designed for women, essentially. And we have a mix of flexible workspaces and private offices. And then also from my food and beverage and love for events, we have a cafe with beer and wine and food and are working on growing our um, kind of cocktail bar aspect for 2022. So being able to have all of the things in the space that members could need to feel supportive and creative and think bigger. You, know, you talked about your emphasis on, on women-owned businesses and, and creating financial assets for women and things like that. Um, if you think about that that place, and maybe, I don't know if this exists or not, but this, this magical place where there are just thriving, profitable, women-led businesses, what, why do we need more of those specifically? Well, um, I think, you know, the most obvious answer to that is that it's like a couple percentage points worth of venture funding goes to women. And even when we look at the commercial um, business loan startup funds, it's like 4% or something that goes to women. And wow. women of color is virtually none. So we need more of these spaces simply because they don't exist. And so when we think about generational wealth and um, role models and mentorship, you know, if you don't see women in that space, you know, the young women that we're raising aren't going to have those aspirations or, or see that it's even an option for them or what that could look like. And so it's it's gonna be critical that that space is not seen as a white male playground and that women, um, women of color and other underrepresented groups can look up and see that the entrepreneurial space can be accessible and, and inclusive and and look differently from, I think, the traditional structures of, you know, capitalism that we have in place now. How did your background help you spot these opportunities? <sighs> so I think just um, existing in the space as a woman, um, for one, and also growing up in a, um, you know, my family um, aren't entrepreneurs, so I, you know, my dad worked as a geologist and um, worked for the same company for a long time and was very smart and office job guy. And um, my mom managed our household and worked. She's very thrifty like I am. Art background, strung tennis rackets, embroidery business, ran a coffee shop. So kind of all over the place. So I never thought that, um, entrepreneurism was a thing that I could do. You know, I was never like, oh, I can start my own business. That seems so complicated and so hard. And um, I didn't really understand what it was. And then I think as I got older and kind of went through this mishmash of jobs, working in nonprofit and research and evaluation and university and food and beverage, um, you just, you start to get a sense of how all of these different structures operate and, um, it just didn't seem like there was a lot of a lot of space where women were leading that effort. Um, it seems like women are invited to the table a lot to give their thoughts and opinions, and then kind of the world continues to exist around them. And so um, I don't know if that answers the question. I feel like I went off rambling, but no. I mean, I, th I think you know, just listening to to your story and kind of how you how you got here at FemEx, but then kind of the you know, the education background and, and, and kind of home of origin type stuff. I mean, I feel like that's part of the things that are in everyone's backpack that kind of lead them to, you know, where they are now. And I, it's just interesting how people's background, I mean, it's kind of hard to outrun that, you know, and for most people, it, it can it can be a, a, 
helpful thing. Sometimes it can be a hindrance, you right. know, or a mix of a mix of both. Right. Um, yeah, and I think that one one of the, the the coolest things that drives me here is I get to create something new every day, and I think maybe that's kind of the summary of all of the things that I've done in the different jobs and careers um, and dreams that I've had is getting to create something that brings other people joy and produces emotion and thought and um, can move us forward a little bit. So whether it's art, we do rotating art shows here for different women artists to make sure that that creative entrepreneurial space is recognized um, for women and particularly women of color. Um, Cause often, you know, it's high growth, high tech, you know, 10 times um, unicorn model. And we forget about the creative industry and um, artists are entrepreneurs. And so I wanted to ensure that we had a space for every type of business owners. Cause often um, women business owners look a little bit different from that traditional model of high growth startup companies. So talk more about that. I mean, what, what does make that women woman-led or women-founded business kind of different than the, as you said, the tech startup model? Yeah, so I don't want to speak for for all women, of course, because there's, um, you know, everyone has their own reasons um, and they're valid and should be respected. But a large large component of um, women-led businesses from the research show that women... um, don't necessarily want to grow 10 times. They want to be able to support themselves and their family. And, you know, maybe they left a job where they didn't feel respected um, and weren't making the money that they needed to. And so they might start a small service industry business or providing um, accounting services or doing hair or doing nails or, or starting their own art studio to be able to A, do something that they love and B, support themselves and maybe have a little bit left over to leave to their kids and um, start to in- increase that that generational wealth aspect of it. And then also, I think that the social impact focus and community focus is really big um, for a lot of the women-owned businesses I have. So they're not looking to, you know, grow fast and sell. They're looking to grow something, make some money, right? It doesn't all have to be philanthropic. We want to make money, but also be able to do it in a way that's ethical and brings others up around us. And so I think that that's um, a really interesting um a really interesting thing that women bring to the table when starting businesses. And, you know, all the research shows that women-owned businesses are more profitable and less volatile and um, take a lot less capital to start up than male-run companies. So uh, that's to your point of of what's the magic. Why do we need more women-led companies? I think it's better for everybody to have more women-owned companies and, and really start to create a more ethical and just ecosystem for business in general. So coming back to, to FemX and, and the people that, that you're serving here, um, what is your what is your hope for them? You know, when someone comes to you and says, hey, I want to, I think cause it's, it's like a membership thing and they, and they come and they go through that process. I mean, what do you, what do you hope they uh, gain from that? Yeah. Okay. So this is the really exciting part that, you know, I feel like I'm constantly all over the place and growing and changing and adapting with is, is how I can best create a community that serves the members. Um, and from, you know, we've got companies here that have grown out of the space that have opened their own brick and mortars. And, um, I really want everybody to come in and 
see a friend, have someone smile at them, be able to bounce an idea off one another. So really creating an environment that's not competitive, um, but where we can support one another. And then also, um, 2022, my goals for FEM are to create a cooperative enterprise model. So all of the members will own a stake in the company and earn patronage and start to increase that community ownership of, um, of I guess, the, you know, the ecosystem and, and, and business. So to be able to say you own a stake in FEMX, not just you work there or you are, you know, paying your membership dues or whatever, but that we can have some some more accessible membership levels that will A, support the co-op to make money for everybody and B, also be able to, um, you know, to grow that ownership um, and community access to the space. What what led you to, to want to have that, that kind of member, um, sort of equity model within within the membership? Where did that idea come from? Yeah, so meeting people, um, <laughs> which was one of the biggest, um, the biggest changes for me. I mean, I think I've said that a hundred times. It was all big changes, but meeting new people. I can be very introverted and, and get shy and nervous and don't want to talk to people in public and go out. And I was like, well, I have my friends, it's fine. And then once I started building this business, I realized that I didn't know anybody here and I wanted to meet everybody and, and hear all the different perspectives and meet all the people. And so I feel like, you know, as I, I meet people and the business grows, I continue to find these new inspirational, magical people that come into my life. And, you know, a member um, that joined, uh, this summer, just moved down here, um, and she has, I, we started talking, and she's done all of the things that I don't even have the words to communicate around capital access and alternative lending models and cooperative enterprise models, and um, it was really cool. Um, she founded Zebras Unite Co-op, which is has chapters all over the world and some multi-stakeholder cooperative. And so learning about how that model is growing and thriving in other parts of the country and other parts of the world, I was like, we haven't really seen that yet here in the South or particularly, let's, I'll just speak for our town. I don't really see that here happening in Colombia. And so what a cool opportunity to be able to grow something new and different and try it out in, um, yeah in the city that I live in. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right about, you know, um, it's it's not, it, it's like, why not, you know? Um, where where does that, um, where does that drive to do these new things? Where does that, where does that come from? Because you're kind of a pioneer. I mean, to your point, this is, these are things that haven't been done in a community that's been around for a while. Right. You know, and that has some of the other models that you're talking about, the kind of the tried and true. Right. Um, but but this model here, you know, uh, women focus, a cooperative enterprise model, you know, sort of taking a big risk, if you will, on a, on a physical real estate, you know, in 2021, 2020, right. you know, which is, I mean, it's like all the... All the warning lights are going off on a traditional right. business dashboard. Right. But we're here. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you for summarizing it in that way. It's. Um, I was joking around with someone this morning about taking the time to stop and just think about everything that we've all accomplished this year. We're all still alive. 
you know, we're still doing it. The business is open. Um, it's happening. And so it's so easy to get caught up in the day to day of like, what's next? And what am I doing? And putting out fires. And um, I love, I love that reflection. Um, so thank you. But also I think the drive, I think comes from um, the community around me. You know, I think that um, the, every day when I talk to members and I'm feeling, I'm feeling down or I'm feeling like I'm failing or I'm not following up and I'm over-promising and under-delivering. You know, every time I talk to someone new and get to help them solve a problem um, or have them help me solve a problem, I'm energized to keep going. Something's happening. Like, I think that that's really what drives me is, is feeling that magic of the connections and the community building and then getting other people excited about unapologetic change here in Colombia. And I think that's the other big thing is People were like, that won't work. I don't understand what you're talking about. Like, why don't you just have like an event space? Or why don't you just open like in a small office somewhere? Like you're starting too big, it's too much, you know? And and why are you just focused on women? And women and men should all be at the table and all lives matter and all of that shit. But, um, you know, I think it's important to, to follow your dream and your vision and your drive and not apologize or ask permission from anyone, which I think is also very, empowering for me when I do something against the the norms and the status quo and I don't ask if I can or if um, you know it's appropriate or does this fit in with what you're doing I'm just gonna do it and see what happens how do you teach can you teach that to people <laughs> <laughs> I think you can um, I think you can bring it out of people like I think if you create that kind of culture and that kind of community and support for one another, it naturally will come out. I mean, I see it every single day. So, yeah, okay. You've been a lot of places, you've seen a lot of things, you've, you've taken this, this big leap, which so far, so good, you know, and, and you know, you're starting things and, and you're also getting feedback from your community which it also seems like you also built, you know, or, or, or certainly sort of um, just put a flag in the ground and said, hey, rally up here if, yeah. if this is attractive, you know, or, or makes sense, or even kind of makes sense. Right. You know? um, what, what's next for something that started that way? Is it more, is it just more, like, in period, or... Yeah, I think that it's um, just continuing to grow. Um, so, you know, right now our, our member community is around 100, 100 people um, from all different sectors of um, the working world. And, um, you know, I think for me, it's, it's continuing to push the envelope. And so growth for me is seeing you know, A, I have all these members, now I want all the members to own the company and to change that model. And then I also want to spread and be able to provide more services even locally through, you know, any kind of business acceleration program or innovative capital fund access that supports women and um, other underestimated populations here in Colombia. And then also bringing the model to other places. So Femex Charleston, Femex Greenville, Femex Charlotte. Like I really want to be able to take the the seeds of it and put it in another city and seeing them organically grassroots grow that community for their particular place and then have it be a co-op there as well with a place-based capital fund associated with it. And so I think that um, 
you know, being able to create something that can be adapted to the place that it's in to really capture the magic of that community instead of like just taking it and dumping it somewhere else. I don't know. I really like that that organic grassroots growth that you can you can get. So it, it'll be interesting to see if you can start a structure that can be franchised. I hate that. It's not going to be a franchise, but like, you know what I mean? Like create something that can be scaled or spread, but still allow for organic growth and development instead of forcing something that might not work. In other words, it's sort of adapted to the local community. Yeah. But it, but it, it's a, uh more than an ethos, but like you said, it's not a, you know, add water and you have a business. Right, right, right. What, what, is, what do you think it takes to, to get to that point? I don't know. Um, I'll be honest, I have no idea. I feel like... Um, it's like you I, know when you get there. <laughs> yeah, I'll know when I get there. I just yeah. keep, you know, flying by the seat of my pants a lot of the time. I don't know what it will cost, what it'll look like, what kind of funding I want to make it happen. Um, I just keep um, keep at it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a. I think it can be that simple, you know, just to to keep at it. Right. Um, so so many um, things just never even get a start because there there are so many unanswered questions. Right. And it seems that you know that there are a lot of unanswered questions, but there's some level of you know you're just undeterred, you know by that. I mean, right. I'm sure there, we all have things that worry us or concern us or that we're mindful of and can, you know, cause that doubt and fear, but somehow you've just worked past it is what it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I've always been that way too. Um, I'm not risk averse at all to my own detriment <laughs> for a lot of my, um, you know, late teens and early twenties. And, you know, even now, whatever, you know, very risk, um, you know, not risk averse at all. So I will jump into anything, anytime. And, you know, if I think in my older age, I at least am making better choices about what I jump into and um, maybe weighing the risks a little bit, but not letting that deter me from following something that I believe in. Well, thank you for inviting us over and for just letting us shoot here and for just putting this story down because... This is something that I've I've sort of seen just as a member of the community for for a while, and you're right, it is it is different, and and um, even an outsider can see that there are unanswered questions, but to see that in spite of the unanswered questions, there's a business here that has put a flag in the ground, and it's has a hundred members. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Thank you, and I think you know my biggest piece of advice to all of the the women starting businesses that I have here is that nobody knows what they're doing. Um, and I think that's one thing I learned. Like, people are so full of shit. And um, I think, you know, we often get caught up in I'm not smart enough or I don't know how to do it. And you don't have to know how to do it. Google a template, you know? Borrow somebody else's pitch deck and fill in your own stuff. Like, it, nobody is an expert at this. Nobody knows what they're doing. So don't let them fool you. Um, I think we're all capable of it. All right. I was trying to wrap it up, but I'm, I'm going to okay. follow that because, <laughs> you know, so, so what, I mean, I agree with you. You know, I mean, so many of the people that, that we've had on footnotes, I mean, would say, I, I didn't start with a whole lot in the bag. I didn't start with a whole lot of money. I didn't start with a fully baked, vetted, 
you know, business school quality business plan. Right. I just kind of saw a problem or I saw a need or I was mad at something or I was flustered and I just said, I'm going to do something about it. Right. And um, they're the people that seem to be doing it. Yeah. You know, and, and I think you're right that, that somehow we're still teaching people, uh, men and women, um, that, you know, if you don't have it all together, you know, if right. you, if, um, that failure can somehow be fatal as opposed to, well, it's failure. And it does stink. And right. you can't be a lifelong loser, but it's not fatal right. most of the time. Right. I mean, there's some asterisks there, but I mean, I think you get what I'm... Yeah, yeah, totally. And it really just speaks to the whole system of, of you know, we privilege information and knowledge. And that is a very you know, not to be annoying and harp on it, but, you know, it's a very patriarchal, white supremacist um, approach to everything is is how we, who owns the knowledge and and what kind of knowledge do you have to have to get credibility and have people listen to you and be taken seriously. And so I think we all have to stop and pause and think, you know, who created that information and that knowledge and privilege that you need this degree or your business plan needs to look this way or your business structure needs to be this way. Um, And, you know, get outside that box a little bit. Well, it sounds like you, it sounds like you have. And we're here again. I mean, you live to tell about it, you know, and again, it's like the story's still being written here, but, um, now, I think a lot of the points that you that you made are, are things that I think people begin to discover, but it's sort of still not good to talk about, mm-hmm. you know, because it, it it seems a little subversive, right? You know? it seems a little um, countercultural, whatever that culture might be, which which could be like sort of business culture, right? You know, not necessarily like a nationality or even a race related thing. It's just sort of the culture of business in this right. kind of. Um, performance pornography, if you will, that gets right. just kind of bandied about out there. And, and I think your your point earlier about how no one really knows what they're doing, because I know we, in my day job, we hear a lot about uncertainty and, and that there's more uncertainty now. And I'm thinking, well, when has anyone ever been able to predict the future? <laughs> right. I mean, it, it's like we... We literally don't know what's going to happen two hours from now. I mean, we kind of have an idea, you know, but we just don't know. And the fact that, you know, if uncertainty caused you to do something or not to do something, it's like, well, what is the antidote to that? Is there an antidote? Right. I don't know. I mean, you spoke earlier about, you said in your older age, but I think, (laughs) I think what you're speaking to experience, like you had some experience, things didn't work. You, you took that tuition you paid, if you will, for that knowledge. And you're like, all right, next time, like, let me put this to work. And I think that's where the whole failure thing, we sort of made it a bit of a fetish. Like, oh, we need to fail. It's like, right. well, I mean, you don't need to fail that much. Right. But you I think need you, to learn. You need to learn. Yes. Yeah. 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 That message does resonate. And I don't want to take over the conversation, but... Um, I hear what you're saying about that. And I think that's what is, I think that is the footnote, if you will, one of many in this story is that the unanswered questions are gonna be there. Mm-hmm. So what? Right. <laughs> that's the fun part. <laughs> well, thanks for sitting down and having this conversation. I mean, this is a conversation that I think needs to be had 
in, in a lot of places, in a lot of settings, um, even even parent-child settings, you right. know, um, and things like that, because this, these are the things that I, I feel like we, we sort of begin to understand in the quote-unquote real world, wherever that is and wherever that you may find it. Right. Um, but they're just not had very often. So thanks for raising these issues. Thanks for, again, for hosting us here at FemEx and uh, just for, for what you're doing. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun, and I always love you guys coming and setting up in the space. It feels very, um, I don't know, it feels very fancy and magical <laughs> to have a recording studio set up in our space. So thank you. 